All right, well, good morning, everybody. Find your seats. All right, well, we're still in John chapter 1. We're going to be in John chapter 1 for at least another week. Where we are today is where John basically issues a press release concerning Jesus. And we're going to cover it from all the Gospels. I mean, we'll touch on what it says in some of the other Gospels as well concerning this, but, you know, for the complete picture of what happened. But, but the truth and the, uh, of the message and what John says is really clear, that if all we had was the Gospel of John to let you know who John the Baptist was and who, what John the Baptist said and what his mission and his ministry was, we would have enough. We would have enough right here in the Gospel of John. And we've been told already from what we went over last week, in reality, everything you need to know about John the Baptist anyway. And that was in verses 6 through 8 last week. It says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. That's really everything you need to know about John the Baptist. However, we will go over more than that. And what that tells us about John, just right off the bat, that we can understand is, is that John's calling was from God, right? God, John the Baptist was sent from God. Right? The Greek word for sent here is the word apostolo, which is the root for the word apostolos, where we get the word apostle. John's not an apostle, but he is a messenger. He has been sent from God with a specific message. And with that, you should understand that John the Baptist is not on anyone's payroll, right? Today, we might look at John the Baptist as an influencer, right? He was the early influencer of his day, but he's not on anyone's payroll. He's not on, the Pharisees aren't paying him. The Sadducees aren't paying him, right? The, the, the Jewish religious uh, structure as it is, has their, he's not on their payroll. They don't even know who he is. They don't even understand who John the Baptist is. And so he was, you know, he was this you know, nomadic prophet who wore a suit of camel's hair, had a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey, and he lived in the wilderness. Uh, he was a radical he was an eccentric, you could say. Um, if you've watched the Chosen TV series in, in season two, when they get introduced to John the Baptist, um, you know, Simon Peter urges Andrew to come and, and consider what John's proclaiming. Hey, come, come listen to John the Baptist. Listen, uh, try to, you know, what he's, what he's saying. And, and, and Peter says, I'm not going to go listen to creepy John. All right. I'm not going to go listen to Creepy John. And that's kind of how they portrayed him, like Creepy John, Crazy John. And he is. He's, I mean, in that show, he does have this kind of creepy, crazy look about him. Right? But yet John had a mission, and John had a ministry, and John himself was clear on the matter, and Jesus himself was clear on the matter about who John was and what John's mission and ministry was. Matter of fact, in Matthew 11, uh, verses 7 through 14, this is what Jesus says of John the Baptist. He's talking about John the Baptist, and Jesus is talking to the crowds concerning John. And it says, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, 
those who wear soft clothing are in the king's house. What then did you go to see, he says, a prophet? And then Jesus says, yes, I tell you more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, behold, I send my messenger before your face and who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, he says, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. That's what Jesus said. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. That's what Jesus said about John the Baptist. Yet not everyone understood who John the Baptist was. Not everyone understood his message clearly. So it is important to teach that who the John the Baptist was, who the John the Baptist wasn't, because history testifies to the fact that even a couple hundred years after Jesus's death and resurrection, there were those who were still following the teachings of John and considered John the Messiah. John never claimed to be. Matter of fact, he said no. He flat out said, no, I'm not. Right? So it's really important. It's very important to teach what was said about John, what John said, and who, really important, who John said it about. Right? So let's read this morning, John chapter 1, verses 19 through 34. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need you to give an answer so we can you know, take that answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees and they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. And these things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the, sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you just speak your word to us this morning, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit just continue to draw us closer to you. And I thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives and how our lives can testify to the truth of what we read right here that John's even proclaiming that indeed Jesus is the Lamb of God that indeed Jesus is the Son of God, and that indeed Jesus has come to take away the sin of the world. We thank you for this, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this first part that we're reading through this morning, these first verses, is really just answering the question, who is John? The, the, the priests and the Levites come to ask John that specific question, which is, who are you? 
And it could very well be a similar question to like what we were singing in that song, Nobody, which is, who do you think you are? Right? Because the priests and the Levites were, you know, they were the caretakers, the custodians, the guardians of the Jewish faith. It was up for them to, to protect what was going on or being said or happening around the Jewish faith. If they thought it, if it was going to be a threat to them or if they didn't know what was going on, it was up for them to go out and investigate and figure out what was happening. So they come to ask John the Baptist that question, who are you? Right? So who was John? Well, we know kind of who John is, right? I mean, we've read the Gospels. John is the cousin of Jesus. He was six months older than Jesus. He was born to Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, and her husband, Zechariah, who was a priest. You can find all that in Luke chapter 1. Right? John was a messenger. Right? It says in Malachi 3.1, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. That was one of the verses that is used to describe who John is. He was a witness. He was a baptizer. He baptized with water. Matthew chapter 3 tells us that in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and he said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right? And then it says a lot of the people in Jerusalem and Judea and all the region around the Jordan River were going out to him, right? And they were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. It was a water baptism. It was symbolic of them being forgiven. But that's all it was. It didn't give them eternal life. They weren't being baptized by the Spirit. It was just a water baptism. So the priests and the Levites have seen all this going on. They've seen all these people go out to John the Baptist, and they want to know who he is. They're not asking about his family. They're not concerned about his lineage or his DNA. They don't even care that his father was a priest. That's not what they're asking him. <clears throat> right? They're asking him more of, like I said, they're the caretakers, they're the custodians, they're the guardians of the Jewish faith. So when they come to ask him, who are you? It has more of a spiritual and a religious significance to the question. They're saying, uh, are you from God? Have you been sent by God? Are you God? Are you the Messiah? I mean, these are the questions that they're asking him, right? And it was a logical question. It was logical for them to go ask this question of John the Baptist because John the Baptist was drawing huge crowds and they wanted to know who he was. And John had an answer. And notice his answer. It's very important for us to, to notice it. He says specifically right away, as soon as they, they come to him, right? It says... Uh, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. That's the very first thing he said, right? I am not the Christ, right? Christ means anointed one. Remember that. It's not Jesus' last name, right? It's a title. It means anointed one. It's a title for the Messiah. So what John the Baptist is saying, what he did not deny, right? He confessed. He says, I am not the Messiah, it would have been very tempting for him to accept some sort of glory at this point or some sort of credit for what was going on, right? Oh, you want to come talk to me? Oh, yes, I am this good, right? Send everyone out here to be baptized by me. I am, you know, a prophet of God. I am, it would have been great for him. But what he did was, is, is he humbled himself. What John is doing is affirming his humanity. He is saying, I am not God. I am not the Messiah. I am not the Messiah. Yeah. So then they asked him, the next, next logical question is, well, then if you're not the Messiah, are you Elijah? 
Which to you and I, maybe if we don't understand the history of that, we might think this is an odd series of questions. Because Elijah passed away a long time ago. Right? Why are they asking him these questions? Well, part of it was his personality. John the Baptist's personality was very similar to that of Elijah. And possibly they dressed the same. Okay? If you go to 2 Kings chapter 1, this is one of the things I love. That's one of my favorite little sidetracks to go on when you're looking at John the Baptist, Elijah, and Jesus. Okay? It says of Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 1 that there are these messengers and they met Elijah on the road and he gave them a message for the king. Okay? So they take the message back to the king and they said, and they tell him the message and they say, hey, uh, we met this guy. (laughs) We don't know who he is. He gave us this message. I'm paraphrasing what happens in 2 Kings 1. And the message is, go back to the king who sent you and tell him Right? Thus says the Lord, because you weren't willing to go out and investigate this false god in, the, in this other area, right? I think it was Baal, Baal Zebub, the god of Ekron, because you weren't going to go out there and um, investigate that god. That god. Um, you shall not come down from the bed to which you have gone up. You shall surely die. This was the message from the Lord to the king. So the king says, what? What kind of man is going to give you that message to give to me? And the messengers describe him, and this is what they say. He wore a garment of hair and a belt of leather around his waist. And the king immediately says, it's Elijah, right? I can see the king's reaction. It's Elijah the Tishbite. Oh, he's so frustrated, right? He knew exactly who it was. It's that Elijah guy. What did he dress like? Camel's hair, coat of camel's hair, and a leather belt around his waist. How does John the Baptist dress? A coat of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist. He actually was dressing similar to how Elijah is described in the Bible. So part of why they ask him why he's Elijah has to do with his personality, has to do with his looks, but ultimately it has to do with the promise. And the promise is, is that you know, the Bible says that Elijah is going to come before the Messiah comes. Just so you know, this promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. Because what John the Baptist is saying is, no, I'm not the fulfillment of that prophecy. I am not Elijah coming, right, before the Messiah. Not in that sense, not in the sense of that prophecy. But this is the prophecy, Malachi. It's in Malachi chapter four, verses five and six. It says, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Has the great and awesome day of the Lord come yet? No, it has not come yet, right? This coming of Elijah that's being prophesied here is going to happen in the tribulation, Okay, so, so Elijah is saying, no, I'm not Elijah, John the Baptist is saying, no, I am not fulfilling that prophecy. I'm not Elijah in that sense. But this is the promise that they knew from scripture. So this is why they're asking him, are you Elijah? Because it says that before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, Elijah the prophet's going to come. He's going to turn the hearts and the fathers and their children to the hearts of children to their fathers, lest they come and strike the land with the decree of destruction. Are you him? Are you that prophesied in Malachi? And he says, no, I'm not. That's not me. That's not me. But yet, didn't we just read Jesus call John the Baptist Elijah? We did. And Jesus also says this in Matthew 17. He says, and the disciples asked him, then why do the scribes say that first Elijah must come? They're actually asking Jesus about this verse in Malachi. They want to know, why does it say this? This is what Jesus tells them. Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the son of man, 
which is a reference to himself, will certainly suffer at their hands. It says, then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. So if John the Baptist is not Elijah, but yet Jesus has said now at least twice that he is Elijah, who is he? Right? Can it get a little confusing? Well, what Jesus is doing is he's affirming what the angel Gabriel told Zechariah, right? John the Baptist's father, concerning John the Baptist before he was born. And that's in Luke chapter 1. And the angel Gabriel, basically, I'm just going to give you a couple of verses. This is what he says. He says, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So what Jesus is saying is John the Baptist has come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. He's not Elijah, just as Jesus wasn't Elijah. Remember, isn't it Peter who comes to Jesus? Right? And he's like, who do people say I am? Well, some people say you're the prophet. Some people say you're Elijah. Some people say, right? The people thought Jesus was this as well. He isn't either. Right? Jesus is the Messiah. John was not the physical fulfillment of Elijah. He wasn't Elijah, but he did come in the power and the spirit of Elijah as be told to his father before he was born by the angel Gabriel. So then the religious leaders asked John, they said, well, okay, if you're not the Messiah and you're not Elijah, are you then the prophet? Who are they referring to here? This has to go back to Deuteronomy and has to go back to Moses. Okay. Deuteronomy 18, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. This is Moses. So he's saying a prophet like me, like Moses. From among you, from your brothers, it is to him you shall listen. This is what they're referring to, these, type of, these prophecies in the Old Testament. He says, are you the prophet? And he's like, no, I'm not the prophet either. They're like, well, we're really confused then. We don't know who you are. I'm not the prophet. I'm none of these things. John says, I'm none of these things that you're looking for. I'm not. I'm not. But I have a purpose. I, ha- I have a message. I'm a messenger. I'm pointing to you, pointing you to who you need to be looking for, right? And so they're really confused. They're like, well, who are you? I mean, if you're none of these things, who are you? I mean, we need an answer. We can't go back to our superiors with an answer to this question. We go back there and we say, well, did you ask him who he was? Yeah. What did you find out? We don't know who he is. Take them out, chop off their heads, right? We're not going back there without an answer. They want an answer. We need to give them an answer. John says, okay, well, I'm going to give you an answer to who I am, right? Verse 23 of what we read. He says, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. There's your answer. That's who I am. And that's a reference to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 to 5, which says, A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low, the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. That's what John's referencing. They would have known it. John says, that's who I am. I am the fulfillment of that prophecy right there in Isaiah. And you would have thought when he said that, then they would have had a lot more questions. 
Well, wait a minute. If you're the fulfillment of that prophecy, holy cow. Okay, we have some more questions for you. What's the next question they ask them? They say, well, wait a minute. If you're not the Messiah, if you're not Elijah, if you're not the prophet, then why are you baptizing people in water? Which, that's not the next question that comes to mind when I'm, when I'm thinking about those things. If I was asking John the Baptist these questions, and he just quoted me Isaiah chapter 40, and he says he's the fulfillment of those verses, I would have had different questions. I would have been like, okay, wait a minute, if you're the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40, I have some other questions for you. And I wouldn't have said, well, why are you baptizing people with water? That's not my next question. But that was their next question, which shows how well they're listening and tying things together, right? What John is doing by answering the questions is that he is, he is like I said already, he's, he's telling them, he's describing his humanity. I am not God, all right? You can't put me on that level with those other people. You can't put me on that level. I am none of those things. But he's also defining his, defining his testimony and he's defining his witness and he's stating his inadequacy before God. Right? I am none of those things. I am not. He's stating his vocation and he's also declaring his mission. This is who I am. I am a voice crying out in the wilderness, making a way for the Lord. The Lord is going to reveal himself. Right? The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. That's what's coming. They should have asked where. When's it coming? Who? Where is the glory of the Lord? Instead, they're like, well, why are you baptizing people with water? We don't get it. Right? They should have made them stop and ponder, at least for a second. But if you're none of these people, why are you baptizing people? Listen, baptism wasn't new to them. It wasn't like a weird thing. They didn't understand baptism. They baptized converts all the time. If you were a Gentile and you wanted to become Jew, you would be baptized. That was part of the ritual. So they baptized people all the time. But he was, John the Baptist was baptizing Jews. Jews didn't need to be baptized into the faith. Why was he baptizing them? They didn't get it. They're still confused about what he's doing. Right? So John clears it up for him. And he clears it up for him with what he says here at the end of that first session and then going into the next day, he makes it really clear. He actually tells him exactly why he's baptizing people. Right? So pay attention to what John says here. Specifically at the end and also the next day, obviously. Right? He says, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. That's verse 26. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. Remember what we read earlier in verses 10 and 11 of, of chapter 1? He was in the world, the word, the light was in the world, but the world was made through him and the world did not know him. Right? He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. This is what John is saying right here to the priests and to the Levites. He's saying, listen. The glory of God is being revealed. He's actually in your midst right now. And you didn't even, you don't even know it. You have no clue. You absolutely have no clue. Right? That's what John the Baptist is saying. He's saying, I'm just a witness to the light. I am not the light. All you religious folk are missing the point entirely. You're absolutely missing the point. Because it's not about drawing people to me. Who am I? is what John the Baptist is saying, right? It's not about drawing the people to me. It's about pointing the people to Jesus, right? John later will say, he must increase and I will decrease, right? That's in John chapter three when we get there. 
This is what John's doing now. He's understanding that, right? He knows. And if, if it wasn't clear enough, the next day, of course, makes it even clearer. Because the next day, Jesus shows up. He comes walking by. This is, just for you know, for like events in chronological you know, order, this is after the time in the other gospels that John's already baptized Jesus. Because John testifies to the fact that he's done it. So this is after that time. And so he sees Jesus coming and he says in verse 29, he says, he saw Jesus coming towards him and he says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He just points right at Jesus. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right at the very dawn of Jesus's ministry, he'd already been baptized by John the Baptist, right? He comes walking by. John calls him the lamb of God. Words that would remind Jesus of his destiny, right? The shadow of the cross was cast over the entire ministry of Jesus. And this would remind him of that because he's the lamb of God, right? This is the first use of this specific Greek word in the New Testament. It's only used four times, twice here in John chapter one, once in Peter and once in Acts. Acts 32, the Greek word is omnos, right? And it's the word for lamb. Acts 8.32, in Acts 8.32 when it's used, he's quoting Isaiah 53.7, but he says, now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was like this, was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. What's that referring to? Jesus, right? First Peter 1.19, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. What's that referring to? Jesus. That's referring to our salvation through Christ Jesus and how we're washed clean through who? Through Jesus, the blood of a lamb. It's a reference to Jesus. So John is pointing that out. John is saying, listen, this is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, Right? You want a Passover lamb? There's your Passover lamb right there. Right? Tells us in Revelation 5, 6, right? If you remember when we went through Revelation all that time ago, right? It says that, that, that John was looking and among the elders, he saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain. Who was that? Jesus. And later in Revelation chapter 5, all those myriads of angels around the throne, what are they singing? They're singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Who are they worshiping? Jesus. John says, here is the Lamb of God. Right there, that guy. Were people paying attention? Were they listening? Were they watching? Because John was pretty on point about it, right? He stopped what he was doing and said, there is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Physically, right there, right there. This is the guy right there who's hopping down the street. That's him right there. That's Jesus. That's the Lamb of God who's taking away the sin of the world, walking with you know, his disciples. That's him. That's him right there. Come on, guys. This is who I'm pointing out. I mean, the Jews were familiar with lambs. Every year they had to provide a lamb at Passover for a sacrifice at the temple. During the year, two lambs were sacrificed daily. They were familiar with lambs. But those lambs, they couldn't take away sin. Right? Those lambs were just for Israel. But this was the lamb of God, and the lamb of God was for the whole world. That's what John's telling him. John was announcing to the world that Jesus would die as a sacrifice for the sin of the world. This is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Notice he says sin of the world, not sins. It's singular, not plural. Why? 
because it had the idea with it had the idea or it has to do with the fact that he's talking about the entire sin of humanity right collected in one place and placed upon one person which is Jesus he who knew no sin became sin that's what he's referencing it's not sins it's sin And John wasn't finished. He wants to make sure everyone understands. So he continues on. He says this about Jesus as well, right? The next thing he says is this is, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. John's not referring to biological birth when they were born. Okay. We go, oh, wait a minute. John the Baptist is six months older than Jesus. Now he's not referring to order of birth. He's referring right to the fact that Jesus is eternal. That's what he's talking about. He's not, it has nothing to do with rank. It's not order of birth. Right? It has to do with the eternal existence of Jesus. And John knew very well that Jesus was God. At that point, when he says this, he knew very well that Jesus was God. Remember, John leapt in his mother's womb before he was born when Mary came to visit Elizabeth. And his mother was filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, if that's your... If, that's how, before you're even born, just the idea of Christ coming through Mary makes you leap in your mother's womb. You fill your mother with, mother gets filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, John had a unique life, a unique calling, a unique mission, a unique ministry. But at one time, from what we see here, from what John says, we have to understand that John didn't fully understand who Jesus was until God told him who Jesus was. And that's what John is testifying to. And that's a point that we all have experienced probably in our lives is that in our relationship with Christ, as we grow in our relationship with Christ and we continue to go through the word and learn things about Jesus, we come to a greater and greater understanding of who Jesus is. There was a time when John didn't completely understand who Jesus was. He Right? He says that. He says, I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water. See, he tells you why he was baptizing. Why was he baptizing? Because he would understand that he was going to reveal him to Israel through his water baptism. How was he going to reveal him to Israel through his water baptism? Well, he describes it right here. He says, I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, This would be God. God the Father told John the Baptist, right? He who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And you can read that in all the Gospels. Mark 9, verses 9 through 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Everyone that was there witnessed that. Jesus was revealed to Israel at that moment. And John said he knew that by baptizing, he was going to have the opportunity to reveal Jesus to Israel, the Messiah to Israel. That's why he was baptizing people with water. Right? John says that's why he was doing it. Right? He says Jesus, however, baptizes with the Holy Spirit. For us, water baptism is just an outwardly expression of an inwardly change. Right? It's symbolic. It's an important step of obedience in, in your Christian walk. Absolutely. If you haven't been baptized, you should be baptized. 
eventually. Whenever you get to that point where you understand the importance of baptism, you should be baptized. You want to be baptized on our church in the park coming up in August 27th? We'll figure out how to get a bucket of water and we'll baptize you and dump it over your head, right? Because we don't have a lake to dunk you in. But we'll do it. You know, if you want to be baptized, just let me know. It's, it's an important step of obedience in your walk, but it's not necessary for your salvation. Right? Requiring anything in addition to faith in Christ Jesus for salvation is a works-based salvation. Right? And not only that, if you make it necessary for salvation, if you actually teach that, that's an attack on the sufficiency of the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. It's not necessary. But it is an important step in your walk, and you should do it if you haven't. But John was just baptizing with water. And it's important because you got to understand this. John is answering his critics to a certain degree. And he's like, they're like, are you the Messiah? No. Are you Elijah? No. Are you the prophet? No. Why are you baptizing? And he's like, come on, guys, you're missing the point. I'm only baptizing with water. It's just water. He who's coming, whose sandals I'm worthy to untie, he's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's the important thing. That's, that's my mission to tell you about him. That's my mission to reveal him to you. That's my mission to point him out so you understand. That's him right there. There's the Lamb of God. That's the Son of God. That's what else he calls him right there at the end of the, at the, end of the verses we read. I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. Lamb of God, Son of God. Two more titles for the deity of Christ Jesus found in chapter one. Remember, there's seven titles. We've gone through four of them. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. When you give your life to Jesus, he gives you the Holy Spirit. You have an indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you, and your life should testify to that. Your life should shine out in the darkness, right? And you can testify through your own life, just like John is doing here, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You can proclaim that because your life is testimony to that. Proverbs 30 Verse 4 says this, Who ascended to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has wrapped up the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name? Surely you know. Well, you do. You do know. If you're in Christ, you do know. It's Jesus. And that's what you can proclaim. That's really what we can take from this section about John the Baptist is understanding God's calling on our life. John understood that he was sent by God for a specific mission and with a specific ministry. And that's exactly what he did. It was to point people to the coming of Christ Jesus. And he did that. So we just got to continue in our lives to focus on the word of God. Just to continue to focus on the word of God. Because in Christ, we're a new creation. And our life should testify to that truth. We should be walking in the grace, grace and the truth of Jesus. Right here in John chapter 1, right before we got into John the Baptist, talking, what does he say about Jesus? No one has ever seen God, the only God who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. But he says, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. But we, from his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. I just read those verses backwards, Okay. I did, I just read them in the reverse order. But still, you get, get, the, get the message. What have we received from Christ in his fullness? We have received grace upon grace. We have this false impression that, that we can run out of grace. That somehow during the day, 
because of our lives and what we go through and the ups and downs of our lives, that somehow we can use up all the grace that God had for us. Like he only has this finite amount of grace for you for a day. This is all that's on your little credit, right? And every time you have your little grace card and you have to swipe it to get some more grace because of whatever you're doing, you're using up that little bit and it goes down each time. And what you think that one of these times during the day, you're going to swipe that little card for for more grace and it's going to go declined. And you're like, oh, there's no more grace for me today. Life sucks. I don't have to wait till tomorrow. Right? When I get a, a new portion, that's a false thought. If you didn't already know that, that's a false thought. It's grace upon grace. It says that his grace is sufficient for us. Your grace never runs out. It never runs out. The grace that comes from the fullness of Christ Jesus and our relationship in Christ Jesus is it's a hallmark of our relationship with Christ and it's grace upon grace, right? You and I have received grace and more grace. It's grace served on top of grace. Think of it like your ice cream, okay? You got the chocolate, you got the whipped cream, you got whatever else you throw on there, the sprinkles. It's just on top, one layer on top of the next, but it never runs out. But it's better than that even because it's the grace of God. It's grace and truth. It's grace upon grace. So we, in Christ Jesus, just need to continue to stand up and walk in the grace and the truth of Jesus. And much like John, except we're not telling the people about, hey, the Messiah is coming. We're telling people, hey, the Messiah came. We're telling the truth about the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that's found in the eternal life and the salvation that's found in Christ Jesus. And hey, guess what? He's coming again. So much like John the Baptist, we have that same mission and ministry to point people to Jesus, to be a light in the darkness. Jesus is full of grace, grace and truth. Romans 5 verses 20 and 21 says, Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to an eternal life through Christ Jesus. Right? It's grace upon grace. Jesus is full of grace. And those who know him get showered with grace. And grace is new every morning. It's more than sufficient. Right? 2 Corinthians 12.9, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And that's what we can testify to. Just like that song we were singing right before we did this, nobody. We're just a nobody. Right? Trying to tell somebody about Jesus. That's what John the Baptist, that's who John the Baptist, that song is like about John the Baptist, really. I mean, if he were alive, he'd be like, that song's about me. Because that's who he was. Because it's not about us. It wasn't about John. He was like, it's not about me. You guys want to know who I am? It's not about me. What you need, who you need to know is about Jesus. That's the same for us. It's not about us. If they forget your name, if they can't remember who you are, but you pointed them to Jesus, it's okay. They don't need to come back to you and bake you a cake or give you a card, right? They don't need to reward you for their faith in Christ. They need to give glory to God. Point people to Jesus. Continue to be that light. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this day. And I pray, Lord, that you just continue to stir this up in us and help us walk in this so that we can understand our mission and our ministry in you, Lord, which is to point people to Christ Jesus, to be a light in the darkness and to love our neighbors like you loved us. I thank you for this, Lord. And I pray that we can continue to do that. 
And I thank you for the examples that you give us in your word and the strength that comes from your spirit and the boldness that comes from your spirit, Lord. And I pray that you just continue to build us up and strengthen us so we can continue to shine. I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.